Hey, if you don't know me, my name is Jeremy Sides. I am the worship director here, uh, kind of the et cetera guy. I do whatever I need to. And um, I know if you've heard me before, you're used to me kind of jumping all over the stage and high energy. Uh, Today's going to be a little bit different. Just the style of what I want to say, what God has really laid on my heart. Um, it's it's going to be a little, a little more somber, but still uh, just as meaningful. Um, and just to be honest, uh, there has been a sickness going through my house. Uh, not COVID. We get tested all the time. Um, but Monica has been just, I mean, she's, she's out. And bless her heart, she's up there decorating for the Thanksgiving Chosen tonight. Uh, dinner and it hit me a little bit later on in the week and it's been it's been a rough week um, so not because of that because of the style of matches because we have the dinner because I want to see Cam Newton play football uh, just to see what happens um, this is going to be a, a little shorter um, but I am going to step on some toes and maybe that's why it's shorter maybe you'll You'll honor me by that. Um, I am. I have been trying to get out of what God has wanted me to say today for the whole week. And I kept changing it, kept changing it. He kept bringing it back. So I just decided to stick with it. Uh, and I'm not very confrontational. And I'm not saying this is going to be confrontational, but I don't like to rock the boat. I'm more easygoing. And it just is not going that way for me this week. Uh, so... It's just going to be a little different, and I uh, hope you guys will bear with me through that. I love you guys, and I'm thankful for you, by the way, since Thanksgiving's coming up. I just want to say that in case I don't see you later. Uh, I'm very thankful for this church. I'm thankful for the community, and I'm thankful for the people that God put in my, in my way, in my path, uh, to do this life with and to do this Christian God thing with. Uh, this church is amazing, and this series has been equally as amazing. Um, I, I didn't think, I'm not saying we topped it, but I thought that the Summer Story series was one of the best series we've ever done. Um, anytime you can see the struggles of someone that's right beside you and find out who they are and what they're about, and then you're able to kind of live that life with them and lift them up in there. That's amazing. Uh, and that entire series was great. And then we got into this series, and it's been equally as, as impressive. I've seen people spiritually, mentally, emotionally changed. I've seen uh, groups grow in ways that I never thought they would. And not saying that the men's group was the best. We were pretty good. Hmm. I'm not. I'm just leave that alone. I don't think I can respond to that in a way that would uh, make me look any better. So, um, it's been good, though. And I, if you missed it, uh, man, I, I hate that you did. I hope that you get in the group and uh, that you see what's going on in those groups. Now, at the beginning of this, the, the introduction to the whole thing, John asked three questions. He probably thought I wasn't paying attention, but I did, my, I did my work. If none of you remember, he asked us if we wanted to grow, if we wanted to mature, 
And uh, if we wanted to, oh man, what was the third one? What was the third one? You probably don't remember. It was a long time ago. Uh, no, it was. That's not it. But that's a good one. Um, oh, it it was about character, right? Do you want to grow? Uh, do you want to mature? Oh, do you want to be? Uh, uh, damn, what is that? Sorry, it's because I'm sitting down. Uh, I have it written down, but I'm not going to look it up. Uh, you want to be challenged. That was it. Do you want to grow? Do you want to mature? And do you want to challenge? Be challenged. And I would say that um, we were all those things. And last week in Circle Up, we reached out and said, hey, if any of you guys were any of those things, if this group affected you in any way, uh, tell us. We want to know. And I got so many responses that I can't read them all. Um, but I want to honor that. And that's kind of what today's going to be about is it's telling you what this, uh, what James did for us as a community, as a group, as a whole, how it affected us, how it grew us, how it challenged us, how it made us better together. And before I get into that, uh, I, want, I just kind of want to run through, just to wrap up, three things I think that James really is doing for us. James told us, James is telling those people there. Uh, who are just new converted Christians. I want to talk about three things that I, I think really he's trying to get across to us. Um, and the first one is that he wants Jesus to be at the center of your life. In everything, in relationships, and everything that you do, he wants you to put Jesus in the middle of that, right in the center of it. So that everything you do is affected by it. And I usually would leave this to the end of the message, um, but I'm not. I'm going to do it right now because it's important. And it's important to me that you make that decision. Jesus, I mean, James is talking about putting Jesus in the center of a group of people's lives who have already chosen that. But if you're here today and you haven't made that decision, to put Jesus in the center of your life, or to be, even be able to do that. Don't wait. This is what we do. A life, I can't imagine a life without Jesus. And if you don't have him in your heart, don't wait to put him there. Every once in a while, you know, we'll, we'll get something that kind of knocks us down for us. And, and what I mean by that is... Uh, we do this a lot. We hear a lot of stuff. We research a lot. We've been in church a long time. His dad was a pastor. Uh, we've heard a lot of things. There's rarely something that we hear that would set us back. And I, I heard something the other day when I was researching some things, and it really hit me as something I had never really thought about. Because when we think about hell... And what happens if we don't have Jesus when we leave this world? We think about fire and torment and torture and all these things. And being a Christian, sometimes I don't even have to think about that. But that's scary. But a lot of people joke about it. It's going to be a big party. 
and they're not worried about it. And I heard somebody say that hell is the absence of God. And that hit me. That really struck me. The worst thing about hell is that God isn't there. There's no joy, no peace, no happiness, no life. If that's you, man, don't wait. I know this is really heavy for the beginning of a message, but it's just been on my heart all week. If that's you, don't wait. And I'll tell you what, I am the world's biggest procrastinator. I am. Don't wait on that. But that's not what James is talking about. James is talking about putting Jesus in the center for a saved person of your life, and everything that you do revolves around that center. That's what the entire book of James is about. Your relationship with Jesus and how that's going to grow. And for everybody, that's a little bit different. But one thing I will say for sure is that if somebody has Jesus in the center of their life, you can see it. So if you're wondering if that's something you do or not, ask somebody around you. Ask a friend. Let me go ask them. If I said to someone, hey, does that guy know Jesus? What would they say? That to me is the biggest tell, whether you know Jesus or not. That Jesus is in the center of your life. If I ask someone, do you know Jesus? Because they're the ones that see you when you're not at church, when you're not in your, in your fancy clothes. There's the one, they're the ones that see you at your worst and at your best. And if there's one thing that James says in here, is that you will see someone who has faith by their works. Not that that gets you into heaven, but you'll know they have faith. You'll know that Jesus is in the center of their heart by what they do. And if you do nothing, I would challenge whether you know God or not. Is Jesus at the center of your heart, of your world? Look at your works. There's three things. That's the first one. The second one is Jesus needs to be rooted in your culture. Your culture needs to be rooted in Jesus. And uh, I'll tell you, when I was thinking all through this, uh, it brought back really fond memories of a long, long time ago in a little classroom in Irwin when there was a group of people who were dreaming about this. And I got an email or a Facebook message or something, I think it was about this time of the year, when it had been about December. 
people I didn't even know. And we had just moved here, and uh, we were kind of lost. Had come here to take care of my, my grandfather. Um, had moved from a big city with big churches and come to this little town and really just didn't know where to look for something like what we were used to. And we got this message to come to this place with people we had no relationship with, and we took a chance. And what we found, man, why am I so emotional? Sorry. Man. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you. Sorry. Did not expect this. If you've heard the message before of what happened to me and Monica a while back, where she was in that really bad car accident, and this is partly why I think she's so sick, is that the Friday was the deadline for them to sue us. And we won't find out until the first of this week whether they did or not. And I'm kind of like, it's all good. We'll handle it. We'll take care of it. Whatever happens, Jesus has got it. That's not necessarily how she handles things. She knows Jesus has it, but something that's out of her control that could really hurt us. And I think that that has made her sick in a combination with other things. So that's probably why you're getting a little bit of this right now because I've practiced this message a bunch of times and I've never done this at all. Uh, so I am sorry, but we'll get through it together. Anyway, we sat in this room and we had our first small group. And we dreamed up a place that, I'll tell you what, we weren't sure what it looked like. It didn't look like this. It wasn't in the normal, probably. But it was really cool. And what we were trying to dream up was a culture. We were trying to figure out what kind of culture did Jesus want us to have as a church. We came up with a culture that wanted to understand who our creator was and how he loves us. A culture that sees forgiveness and wants to understand all about that and wants to share that with other people and the gift that is life through Jesus Christ. And we came up with a culture that doesn't see boundaries by rules, but a release from captivity and chains. And a culture that wants to be productive and wants to really show people what they were made to do in this life, what God designed you to do. And that culture was know God, find hope, live free, do good. And we put it on our t-shirts 
and we live it every day. And that came from Ephesians. If you look on our website, you can read those verses. That's where that came from. All those verses that back up those titles came from Ephesians. But without even knowing I was going to do this, reading James, I realized that's what he's trying to do. He's trying to create a culture with people who didn't have one, who were new Christians. And I want to show that to you. Look at James 1.12. Sorry, James 1.5. This is my first one. Know God. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally, liberally, and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Know God. James goes on to say the way to know God is to get in the Scripture. That's how you know God. And talk to him. He's trying to create the same culture we are. He wants them to know God. And then he wants them to find hope. In James 1, 12, Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. This is one of the verses that talks about the benefits of God, the, the gifts he gives us, the hope that is in him. He's try, trying to create a culture of hope. And then the next one, live free. James 1, 17 to 18. Every good and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be a first fruits, a kind of first fruits of his creatures. The will of God brought forth salvation. The gift of life to break those chains. So that we can be free. He's trying to show them the culture of living free. Not bound by laws, which they were used to. And then the last, to do good. James 1, 22-25. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his nature his natural face in the mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. Be he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it. And it is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. This one will be blessed in what he does. He's trying to create a culture of doing good. That's how you will know him, that he is in you by your works. Faith without works is dead. That's what he says. I will know you. People will know you by your works. Be productive. Find out why I made you. And do it. James is trying to create the same culture we have. Know God, find hope, live free, do good. And at the beginning of this message, 
I struggled to remember those three questions that I had worked so hard on remembering. And I'm going to mention them again if I can remember them this time. To grow, to mature, to be challenged. And I want to read some of those letters to you. I apologize it's me reading and not some really good VO, James Earl Jones or Morgan Freeman. I thought about having somebody else read this because of my voice is not the best for radio. But bear with me because these are really good and they're part of our community. And when I read these, I'm not going to tell you who they are. I promise they, they would be anonymous. But I know who wrote them because I, I can see and they sent them to me. And I know them. So it hits me a little harder because I know these people and they mean something to me. <laughs> but I think we get the picture. The groups have been just what I needed to get involved in the church. More than just a Sunday worship time. For timid people like me, the group of about 3 to 12 is the opportunity I was seeking. I am more free to speak and not be hesitant. I learn about others' experiences and what to pray for and to share with my family joys. This is the way, this is the way. Sorry. I just read that. It struck me. Mandalorian, nobody? All right. This is the way. <laughs> to build relationships and to give me the feeling of belonging. I now have a connection with others that is real and not just a Sunday quick high. I now feel free to ask and share prayer concerns with those in the group. A way to build relationships. That's what the groups do. That's what community does. That's what this culture is about. It's about building relationships. That's what this series has been about. And we see there it's effective and it's working. The next one, in the past four years, groups have had a huge impact on my life, from attending to hosting to leading, being able to be a part of others in their own stage of spiritual maturity, and seeing growth in ourselves and each other. It's a beautiful thing to look back on. Getting in a small group is like practice before church. We need practice in our life. We need each other to fall back on before we fall back. At the end of the day, a small group is a personal decision. A decision much like the one you made when you put your faith in God, one full of emotions, questions, concerns, hope. It's the next step into spiritual maturity. It's the next step in growing, in maturing, in being challenged. It's the next step for our growth as a church body, spiritual maturity as a whole. I love what he says there about it's practice before church. Or I would say it's like watching the game tape after church. One or the other. In order to be good at one, you have to do the other. In order to be the best at one of them, you have to put in the time in the other. That's knowing God. That's what our culture is about. Spending time with Him. Reading the Word. Putting in the practice. 
how much time do we spend doing that? How much time do we spend with God? How much more time do we spend on our hobbies? On doing the things that we like to do, trying to be better at something. We started playing, uh, kind of flying off the cuff here, sorry. Things are coming into my mind. I'm just going to say them because this is the style of this conversation. Because I just realized it. We, had a, we have a golf league, in case any of you uh, didn't know. We did really good the first year. We did not go, do so good this last year. I have a trophy from the first year. The trophy for this last year would not be a good one. I did not play so well, not as well as I would have liked to, but I don't put in the time to be good at golf. I decided to start putting in a little work because I want to be better at it. I enjoy it. I like walking out. I like most of just hanging out with the guys is what's fun for me, but I don't want to do something and be bad at it. So I started putting in the work, and I've gotten better. And I see firsthand what actually practicing at something can do. As I get older, uh, I am much less athletic than I used to be. 40 is like a, I didn't believe it. It's like a time bomb. <laughs> like before I moved here, I was in like five softball leagues. I worked out all the time. I ran, got here, my knees are bad, you know. COVID, I got, I gained my 15 or 20 plus for COVID, my COVID 20 pounds. But I seriously will tell you, I've gotten better because I've put in the work. And I got smacked in the face when I was doing this and researching this and God said, how much time have you spent with me? How much time are you putting in the golf to be better? Why do you not have that attitude with me? Hmm. Thank you. All right. If you want to be better at something, you have to put in the time. How much time do you spend with God? Because I don't spend enough. Sorry, side note. All right. Back to the letters. This is someone from the ladies' group. Woohoo! Can't begin to explain how grateful I am for the lessons learned from James and the gathering of the women's group every week. It has changed my relationship with my staff and coworkers, with my family, and most importantly, with God. I have learned about rejoicing in the trials, having patience and trusting in God's timing, not an easy task for an impatient type A like myself. I have worked very specifically on controlling my tongue, both in stopping quick, angry reactions and in the spreading of stories that aren't mine to tell. My relationship with my son is changing for the better, and I strive daily to be slower, to respond to things that I would normally lash out about. Work is a hotbed of gossip, and I've really focused on staying out of it. If you had known me 10 years ago, you would know that I was the go-to person for all that information, good or bad. I'm happy to report 
that that isn't the case any longer and that people have recognized it. I try to look at every person as someone who is just as loved by God as I am. Hard times in the world right now, but we don't get anywhere by judging one another. I have a responsibility to be generous with forgiveness, and that has not always been easy for me. I have also set aside time just for me and God. It is easy to pray when things are tough, but I'm now spending more time praying and praising God for all the good and praying for his will, not mine. That's pretty good for the women's group. Good job, Jess. That is faith and works. Everything I said about asking your coworkers, asking people who you are, they know now. Not that maybe they didn't know before, but now her actions are showing her faith. That's the culture we're trying to produce. That's doing good. And it's growing and maturing. That's what this series has done for us. That's what the groups have done for us. This series on James has been special. I've been in a study on James before, but this time the book seems more relevant. As we know, James has a few passages that contemporary Christians interpret differently. Maybe in previous studies I focused on those passages, how they should be interpreted, but didn't focus so much on how they should be applied, which is what the groups do. They put application to what you're learning here on Sundays. The small group study questions have encouraged us not just to try to understand what James is saying, but to see ourselves as James' James's audience and try to find tangible ways in which he, his exhortations can be applied to our lives today. A common theme that ran throughout the book was that our faith influences how we interact with others. When I think about faith, I think about how it shapes my relationship with God or how it impacts my thoughts about God's character. This study has encouraged me to take it a step further. Think about how my faith and understanding of God should result in behavior towards others that was demonstrated by God himself in the manifestation of Jesus Christ. Being in a small study group of people I don't know very well was a great environment to start putting what we learned into action. We were able to share concerns with each other, encourage each other, and talk through potential solutions to problems. Those are the types of things you typically do with family members and close friends. But this was a different group of people, some of who I'd never known before. That's amazing. That's what the groups do. They build relationships with people you never knew before, and they become family. We had a gentleman show up in our group that doesn't go to this church. But one of our men's group members brought with him. And they came an hour early. And I told them immediately, if this was Jess's group, you'd sit in the car. But since this is my group, I guess you're going to sit here with me. Yes, you have things to do. 
You get it. But I was cooking, you know, because we have lots of food at our group. So I let him hang around. The guy was really nice. He was a young guy. And I got to know him a little bit. And then we had our group, our group, and it was great like it always is. And at the end, we started asking if anybody needed help, any prayer requests. And this guy that we had just met completely broke down in front of us. Completely broke down. And for a guy, and this guy for sure, I can tell you that was not normal. He was going through something. And he needed people like us around him. That's what the group does. That's what groups do. He would have never experienced that, probably not ever experienced that in here. Not that this isn't important. This is the most important. But the groups do things that the church cannot on a Sunday morning. That's what's being talked about there. You reach people that you normally would not reach in a way that you just can't do on this scale. That's what the series has done for us. That's what groups do. I've only got a couple more. As a couple attending our first small group together, this one of the book of James was a great one to do together. We really, we really enjoy being able to connect with other couples who have been faced with different yet similar situations that we've been faced with in our lives. Being able to learn alongside of them as well as being, as being open. Uh, I'm probably reading that wrong. I think I, typed that in. I think I typed that in wrong. Copy and paste, my fault. Being able to learn alongside them about our daily life situations has helped us to better learn how we should react to many situations of daily life. Not to mention that it has also helped us to increase our accountability circle. Doing a small group together has helped us to dig into God's Word as a team, but also helped us to hold each other more accountable. As with most husbands and wives, most of our time and daily interactions involve each other. Each week as we went through the book of James, we are able to take what we had studied and apply it to our lives. This also helped us to take positive ways that we handle situations and build upon them using the concepts from the book of James. We were able to build upon them because these are things that we have always tried to put into practice. This study has helped us to become more intentional about handling things in our lives the way God wants us to. <laughs> I know this couple, so I'm laughing. Sorry. I love them. All I have to say about that is if you guys are struggling, if you're in a relationship and you're struggling, get in a couple's group. Get in a couple's group. It will help you. It could save you. The next to last one. This is the youth one. This is the youth group. Uh, and I didn't think I could, I didn't know if I could ask any of the youth if I would get anything coherent from them. Uh, so I'll just tell you who was asked, uh, Jesse and Kayla. And uh, they wrote me a really, really long paper that I am not going to read you. But I will tell you that this was amazing to me. Because he asked the youth group on Wednesday night what they learned from this message, from this series. And this is what they said. They learned how to control their tongues. That is a, that's a thing. 
They learned to listen before they spoke. Not to play favoritism. To be patient. That if you have faith, it will come out in your life. People will see it by what you do. And most of all, to have joy. Having the mindset and being intentional about choosing joy each day, even during struggles. That's what the youth group said. Get your kids in the group, man. Did you, did you hear what I just said? Do you want them to be like that? Get them in the group. <laughs> and the last one is from my group. Save the, I didn't say the best for last. I'm not going to say that. I just saved it to last. How about that? I have really enjoyed men's group. I was hesitant at first because, because life gets so busy, and taking the time away from other things was truly a worry. However, I found out how much I needed the group after attending. My spiritual growth is truly more important, and God has given so much to me in mind that I need to get as close as possible to God as I can. It has also been great to fellowship with others and share our understanding of God and increase our knowledge based on the study for that week. By attending the CFC men's group, I have personally grown to be a strong Christian in my knowledge and in my daily actions as I live in this world. I can't wait until the next opportunity. And one thing, I, sorry, I love this guy. And I did not really know him all that well until he came into my group. And we've had some really strong conversations. And the one thing that he said to me that struck me the most out of all the group stuff was that he realized that every day, every morning he wakes up, same as probably we do, we expect God to be committed to us. We expect God to drop everything he's doing whenever he's doing it and help us when we need it. We expect him to answer every time we call. Because that's who he is. But he said, if I want that kind of commitment to God, how can I not give that kind of commitment to him? That is my third point. I told you there was three. It's commitment. And I'm, this is the one that I was worried about the most. You're going to stone me or uh, all your hate emails can go to john at carolinafamily.church. <laughs> or Jeremy, just email me. I can handle it. It's okay. Because this is what God told me to say and I'm going to say it. You have to prioritize Jesus in your life. If he is not your number one priority, you know the cycle here that faith without prayer is nothing? Or sorry, prayer without faith is empty, is nothing. 
If you don't know God and you don't have faith, when you pray, you have to make Jesus a priority in your life. In every generation, it seems like this gets less and less. Because as kids, we will prioritize what we see our parents prioritize. And because things have gotten easier or social media or whatever, what we come up with is a generation that gets their Christianity and their spiritual information from TikTok. It's Motivational Monday, Transformational Tuesday. I had all these. Wednesday Wisdom, Thankful Thursday, Friday Feels. That's where they're getting their Christianity from. That's where they're getting their information from. I'm just going to say it. That's cool. Whew, listen. I'm a, I'm a member of this class too. If you're not in a group, if you skip a Sunday morning service, a bunch, because your kids are playing baseball, Or because there's dance. Or because you're playing golf. Or because you're hunting. Ugh. Easy. Don't shoot the messenger. Your kids see that. They see you not prioritizing Jesus. They see you doing other things instead of the things you should be doing for Jesus with Jesus. And while you know it's important, when you choose to do other things, they don't know that. All they see is that you're no longer prioritizing Jesus. So when they get older, they'll prioritize him even less than you do. And they'll walk around saying things like, Holy Spirit, activate. <laughs> Holy Spirit, activate. Activate. That's where they're getting their spiritual. That's where they're getting the Christianity from. Wilson Phillips. You know, that's where that came from. You probably don't know who Wilson Phillips is. Yes, I watch Celebrity Family Feud. Okay? I'm old. It comes on Sunday nights. One of the members of Wilson Phillips, Miss Phillips, got up there. And before she'd answer her question, she said, Holy Spirit, activate. And all of a sudden, it's everywhere. That's where your, your kids are getting their Christianity from. If they're not in a group, if they're not in church. Did you hear what I just read about the youth group? Man, that applies to all of them. I wish I could do that. Your kids need to see you prioritize Jesus. Your wives need to see you prioritize Jesus. Men. Men's club right there men's group they need to see you come into the group 
Women, you need to be in the group and come to church because there's stuff that happens in the group that will not happen anywhere else. Not just for everybody else around you, for you. You've got to start prioritizing Jesus. And I'm not saying you don't. You're here, obviously. Preaching to the choir, right? This is the culture James is trying to create. It's our culture. He's trying to produce Christians like you. And I want to challenge you with that one thing before we sing another song. It's all about what we're talking about here. It's all about James. And it's exciting, and it's a fun song. And we did it last week, and I just felt like we wanted, needed to do it again. We needed to end on a high note because I am being very depressing, I know. This was a tough one for me to do because I am not. <laughs> this is not my style, right? Um, in order to be committed, when you put that Jesus in the center, and you buy into this culture that we create together, You have to practice it. In order to know God, you have to practice it. How much do you practice it? How much do you commit to God every day? How much time? How much? How many thoughts? I promise you, it will not make your life worse. It'll make it better. It'll make your relationships better. Your kids will better your relationships will be better when you put God in the center I um, love that Jeremy recapped this culture conversation and I, I just I'm resonating over last week's message and this week's message and culture will tell you our culture will tell you that you have to have it all together that your life has to be seamless that you have to pretend that you're not struggling that you have to pretend if you go to church that you've got this figured out already and we're just told to be countercultural. <laughs> i like lost it when we were reading the youth group I, laura marie jesse kayla sylvia and barry i looked at them two weeks ago and said they're getting nothing out of this <laughs> And then to hear what actually they are. Like, if our kids can get this, man, it's pretty incredible. But I want to remind you that there's not a single one of us that walks around, especially at this church, and has it all together. And so last week's message told you, if you're in the bottom of that pit with something, reach up, reach out, let someone know. This week's message gave you an example of tons of people in your church doing just that, saying, I'm struggle I struggled with this, I'm struggling with that, and being very transparent in the fact that we are living differently. We are trying to live differently in a world that is telling us that we all need to live the same. And so I will encourage you the same way. My job is to get you plugged in. And so I will encourage you and tell you, if you don't know what your next step is, let me know. I'll get you plugged in. I'll get you on a team, or I'll get you in a group. I'll connect you with people that maybe are struggling with the same thing, or I'll connect you with people that have done that same thing and are on the other side and that can reach down and pull you up. I'm very 
very thankful for each one of you. I said at the beginning of the message, and I'm excited to celebrate with those of you that signed up tonight. Again, if you have in your head, like, oh, I can make that work tonight at 6.30, stop by and see Judy at the resource table. If you are coming tonight, a little bit of just business to take care of with the somber music in the back, which is funny to me. It's at the Maroney, so don't come here. The Maroney is on um, Main Street, so it's a theater, but it's at the Maroney, so you'll come in those doors. You can park on the Main Street, or you can still park back here and walk up, um, but we're excited to see you at 6.30. For those of you not joining us tonight, happy Thanksgiving. Enjoy time with your family, and if that's not possible, know that your church family will be waiting to see you next Sunday. <laughs>